You're listening to a podcast from Seesaw Magazine. I'm Rosalind Appleby and today I'm in conversation with Colin Walker, who is the Director of the Art Gallery of Western Australia. We're sitting in his office at the Art Gallery and around us are the various last stages of the renovations that have been taking place in preparation for the reopening of the gallery on the 6th of November. It's an exciting time, Colin. Uh, yeah, it, it's... Um... It, it's it's taken a while, but I think when people come um, who've not been to the gallery for a while, they're going to see a um, really just a completely different physical experience than they've had before. And I think some of the decisions we've made on um, the artworks, uh, particularly the, the the marvelous Christopher Peace works, I think are just signalling. Um, yeah, a, a different direction mm. for, the, for the gallery, maybe. You mentioned that it's taken a while. You've been waiting a long time. Why has it taken so long? Yeah, it was just a combination of we, we we're just in a... Because um, the initial opening date was the beginning of this year. Yeah, yeah, so we're a mere nine months behind. Yeah. Um, it was a, it's two two main reasons, really. One was just the latent conditions of the building. It's mm. a it's a 40-year-old um, building, so when we started to... Um, just unpack different parts of it. Um, just some of the um, uh, horrors of building techniques in um, those early days starts right. to reveal themselves. So we ended up needing to replace um, the entirety of the screed on the on the roof, which we weren't expecting, and um, and, and little things that people, you know, uh, things you learn on a on a project was that just how much styrofoam you need to insert into screed so that you can then put a deck on top <laughs> um but that styrofoam um there wasn't enough of it in wa so we oh. needed to import it and then having to import it during COVID um meant that we just couldn't get the supplies of it so what should have been a relatively few weeks for instance mm. ended up uh, ended up taking about four months Delays. and so yeah. yeah just just so many different um uh, building conditions that we that you couldn't have been aware of till you started mm. and then just supply chains impacted by COVID um, took the rest of it but um, but yeah we're, we're, well, we're open now yes. so um, <laughs> it's, yes. been, it's been worth the wait So when you took over the reins of the art gallery in 2019 initially and then more officially in 2020 the gallery was suffering from falling visitor numbers declining donations and your job was to turn that around. And one of your strategies was to make this space more interactive using light and sound and drama and this more playful approach. Yeah. So now just before, you know, the public are going to get to see it as it opens, um, tell us how, how have these plans become reality? What is the physical space like now? Yeah, so it's, um, it, it's uh, I mean, the, the great thing for me is that what envisaged the envisaged that we needed to do uh, sort of all, all come to pass that the financial issues are not issues anymore and what we've got going forward is really positive um uh, bringing uh, Ian in was uh, was was a really good decision for the Ian, Ian Strange yep. just as a as the, the guest artistic director because um he's been able to make real a very particular vision of how to make the gallery, make the best of itself in terms of bringing into um, the, the forefront the, 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 the beauty of the main gallery, really, and then mm. complementing that with um, the reintroduction of uh, the original architectural features, reintroducing light into the gallery and, and those kinds of things. And I think um, that, that side of uh, what people will experience is going to be uh, completely different. So we're just... Um, 
you know, just walk people through things that they possibly uh, yeah. wouldn't expect is that um, because also uh, at the time we announced that we were just um, redeveloping the rooftop, but we've also redeveloped the, um, the entirety of the ground mm. floor as well, which just adds a, a different uh, entry feel and relationship to the cultural center, which we, which we felt was really uh, important. Felt it was really important back then that we became part of the city around us and not a closed in box. Mm-hmm. Um, I think psychologically, uh, the, 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 the gallery needed to better connect um, with its with its outside world. And so physically people will come into um, a brand new um, entrance foyer. Yeah. It's um, the, there's a um, beautiful, beautiful um, new work by Tyrone Magana to introduce uh, the gallery young nungar artist and that that work is just quite spectacular um we've returned um the uh, position of the original um of the original shop um where the frank cafe was that now will be won't quite be ready for the opening but it'll be it'll be there a few weeks later again COVID supply chains mm-hmm. is that that that's a um cafe uh come uh, shop come bar in the evening come pop off performance and exhibition space it's a very very different feel mm-hmm. the idea being that that when you come to the gallery there's a constantly changing experience time after time so it's not a static um it's not a static body of work that you ever meet each time you come in but really the the, the great uh, talking point suppose and experience new experience is the rooftop so the decision to build the lift in the way we built it with a little sky bridge is um was uh, it just helps that um sense of introduction to something of scale um right. as, as as people enter and then you can go left or right on the roof. You can circumnavigate it completely. But if you go to the left, um, you'll immediately be um, hit by wonderful um, Hepworth and Arp and um, Henry Moore um, sculptures, which in and of themselves are uh, just extremely important pieces of work. So there's um, that sculpture trail is sort of so all scu- around the rooftop? Yeah, so the sculpture walk itself, if there was nothing else and it was just a sculpture walk, then that would be it would cool. be one of the most significant <laughs> in Australia. It, right. is, it is absolutely um, stunning, and the, the artworks that, yeah. we've, that we've put up as part of that. And then as you circumnavigate, then uh, the, the, the Christopher piece work, it is just such a mind-blowing in terms of its scale, in terms of what it says about uh, this place, it is extraordinarily beautiful and subversive in um, in in equal measure. And I think the longer people um, contemplate um, what that work means um, for 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 where we are as a society and our relationship with the Aboriginal community. Um, and how it, it, it demands, it, it just demands attention. It demands mm. attention about what public art can be and what public art can mean. And it demands attention just for the sheer um, uh, the wonderfulness. I can't think of the best objective. It's, ju- objective. it's just a, it's just an experience. And then as we started to move around, the, the, the city view in the, in the background where the bar area is um, really, is magnificent in of itself, but of an evening time, with the with the Chris uh, work lit, with the the cityscape in the back, and with the events that we all 
we'll be having on the on the roof it's just a very different cultural experience mm. both of perth as well as the cultural center mm. itself um and then you carry around and carry on around and and, and complete the walk so we decided uh, the project initially in its initial scope and phase was to just be um an architectural feature and then uh, not, not change too much of the of the rooftop itself or there's i think an, an early an early idea um it was very first announced for it to be a cinema um well we replaced that with the with chris piece but we also with decided, the artwork yeah. yeah and it's a 10 million dollar transformation up there isn't it yeah it is and it, and it looks and uh, it looks and feels it as well yeah. the new internal gallery space because we uh I used the uh, the money to relocate our conservation team and put them into um, purpose built labs um, in in the basement. So we modernised what they were able to do, which then enabled us to um, just reimagine uh, the space that they occupied. So people who came to the gallery before would pretty much just see um, nothing really. It was, a, it was a blank wall. You couldn't go on the roof. We occasionally mm. had some displays up there. But now, as you come up the internal lift, it's just this massive expanse of light and connection to the city. And the, the, the Tim Meekins work we put in there of the scale of some of those objects, which is, you know, three meters by two meters, it gives a real sense of. I think the importance of um, the, the space, but also the importance of um, of state institutions and art in the city and how they all are juxtaposed in this one mm. beautiful experience. Mm. So, and the other strategy alongside was this, uh, this more architectural um, revamp has been at the plan to put local artists First, and I, I'm quoting um, one of your phrases to create rock stars from our artists. I think that was and one of Ian's, like copied and stole. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, quoting Ian, with the and the, with the particular focus on Aboriginal art. So since then, the gallery has acquired over 120 artworks from Aboriginal art centres and Aboriginal artists around Western Australia, and that, that was using the Agua Foundation's 1.5 million artist stimulus package wasn't it and so that was part of the COVID-19 response what a tremendous outcome yeah yeah I mean it's hard to think back to when COVID first began but but um we decided when it hit and we started to see that that that, that you know before job seeker and job keeper um were, were, were really a thing we knew that the sector was starting to struggle you know you could you could see it immediately mm. and, and still is so we just felt that um, we had a responsibility really to do something significant to try to, to help because it wasn't just the acquisition program. So we committed um, to, to, to purchase works from um, every Aboriginal uh, art centre in the state and where there were no Aboriginal art centres to buy from individual artists. And that was to immediately put money into, uh, into the um, economy. Um, so that uh, at least at least something was going in, and hmm. then the other part of the package was to give um, uh, two thousand dollars to every um, Western Australian live and Western Australian artist represented in the state's art collection. But they were Agua Foundation funds. That was the foundation deciding from funds um, uh, it had raised and government had matched um, in the past to do something um, really important for the art ecology at that time because. Um, you know, I'm 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 a I'm an administrator. I'm not a, I'm not an artist, and but my 
entire livelihood since it come into the arts in, in effect has been because of artists you know mm. without artists none of us um uh, none of us can can um can enjoy the life and live the life that we lead so putting the artist at the center of um of what the gallery is about was really important mm. and that was always going to be the case um what what's what the covid did just meant that we needed to move particularly um quickly and spending yeah the 1.5 million um helped with that but mm. we didn't just spend the 1.5 million when we when we when people come to see the new exhibition then um we've there's 111 works we've um, acquired um, or commissioned as part of this reopening exhibition so um for memory in total i think we spent about um just over two million dollars there thereabouts right. so we've gone we've gone big but, mm. I've, but i've had the money coming in the other way to be able mm. to do it as well so it's um it's uh yeah you you, you give a bit you get a bit and, and the focus on yeah and the focus on wa artists makes a lot of sense in terms of giving agra a point of difference so you know, our state collection should tell us something about the place we live rather than just being a bunch of work from anywhere. So it's really focusing um, the gallery's vision and, and role within the state as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a um, the, the start point is if you're a gallery in Western Australia, can what does that mean really? And I think for, I think the expectations of people that, that come here is that they want to know and understand and learn and connect with the art of this place. So because we are here, we have to put more emphasis on that type of um, storytelling and experience. One, because people demand it. And secondly, it's because, well, why else are we in WA? It doesn't mean that you don't still do everything else because for the state institution, you've, you've got to do it all we've got to have um um really strongly uh, curated blockbuster type exhibitions at some time you've got to do good touring shows etc mm, etc yeah. um all that's all that's a, a given but you can choose the pace and you can choose the emphasis and you can choose how much to invest in each over a period of time and i think it's really important that for me it's um in this uh, th this next period it is about we want to make sure that we forefront what we've got here, what's really uh, interesting from here, and where we can, where we can help the artists um, grow from here. Um, and then uh, we've got other announcements coming up that, that deal with um, deal with, with with other areas as well. But yeah, it's, it's it's pretty fundamental to what being an art gallery in Western Australia is. And sixty of these works, these um, that you've sourced and commissioned, are going to be featuring in the opening exhibition as a centerpiece called Collected Ground. Yeah, yeah, that's a that that is um, it's such a stunning exhibition. So. Because of um, the delays to the, the, the works, it will only be up for 10 days. So oh uh, people need to get it early, it's but I'm, bring, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it oh, back. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring it back afterwards because um, the, the forward program started to catch up with the delays in the in the build. Mm -hmm. And so there were things, because um, we've got a wonderful exhibition coming in from um, the, the National uh, Gallery of Australia, which um, is called um, Ever Present, um, First People's Art of uh, Australia, and that's got around about 160 um, really significant Aboriginal works coming from the NGAs and the West Farmers um, collection. There's a, an absolutely astonishing Jonathan Jones 
commission that's coming in as part of that. When's that um, opening? So that's going to open on um, the 9th of December. Um, so and it's to it's, get to the collective ground before then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's the only Australian showing of, um, of, of that exhibition. Then it kicks out to Singapore and, um, and Dubai and depending upon where mm. federal government is, um, possibly China after that. But collective ground is a, is a piece of... You mentioned right at the start that the, the trying to create a sense of theatre and, 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 and the dramatic, mm. the experience of being in that space um, when you when you when you see it is, is it's, it's it's quite overwhelming in 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 many ways. So we'll bring that back. Mm, yeah, and that um, the larger exhibition that that is part of is called the View from Here. And I assume the title is not just referring to the view from the new rooftop bar. Um, and so this will be the gallery's largest ever exhibition of West Australian art. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a celebration. I mean, the galleries, so we, we, we've got this moment when a, there'll be a lot of attention on the gallery generally. And because um, the rooftop and because there's a bar, there'll be a whole section of the community that will be drawn to the gallery that probably have not really experienced the gallery before and so um pretty much um uh we wanted to give them a real sense of just the depth and range of talent that we've got in the state sort of like um a magazine type of approach of this is it's not it's not a survey it's not a best of it's a moment in time of a range of really really different um interesting perspectives from a range of different artists like 230 artists or, or something in that yeah exhibition. yeah it's enormous. it is it's um it's 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 gigantic and and and, um, and over 400 works um in 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 total as well so and the, so the way we've structured um the, the the marketing for this is very much artist story uh led in the first instance so we've released um that some people may have picked up um, the Agua paper, which has got um, features on um, 30 of those artists with um, written by 30 different um, Western Australian writers who, you know, are, you will, you will know better than me, but the talent base for our writers is, um, is, is, is astonishing. People would have seen the vignettes of the of the individual artists that we've got on socials and pushing those really hard on social. But to get to that video, the 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 videographers, the sound editors, the the lighters, the insulation teams, it's it's just such a enterprise of talent that we were determined to use Western Australian mm-hmm. talent right the way through because it sends a really strong message to. Um, government um, and the public as well. The the if if, if you um, really really invest in talents, then talent tends to deliver. Can you please tell me about the cats wearing, wearing <laughs> Adidas <laughs> and appearing at unexpected places? This is Bruno Booth's work yeah. I'm talking about because I think I have to bring my children in to see these. <laughs> um, I think everyone needs to come in and see because. <laughs> Bruno's works. There's there's so much work in, in this gallery, which is um, the 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 messaging and subversion of it all isn't lost. Look, I'm I'm quite a political person. I I, I grew up in 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 a city 
in inner city Liverpool, really strong working class, really strong uh, socialist right the way through the family, and I still consider myself in that uh, in in that, in that 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 realm of politics, which means that everything that's put in a public realm has meaning in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gives you a great opportunity to be able to put across a range of different views that are just much more um, inclusive and different and diverse to, to what's been um, historically presented. And what Bruno's works um, represents, they, they bring in elements of street culture, which is really important. They bring in elements of playfulness, but they also speak directly to... Um, how institutions are, are not um, as welcoming as they should be for people with um, different types of uh, different types of needs, yeah. and the way Bruno brings that through his practice, we thought was really really important to use. Um, sort of like um, I, I've said this in in other well in other. Um, media and i don't mean it to be um much of a theme but but it's sort of like a really really well constructed really well written protest song Hmm. works at every level from melody to the punchiness to the urgency to everything about it and to reflect that um through visual arts is that's what a lot of these works uh, try to do and bruno's is is a really strong example of how you can do something really really melodic but also so so um important in what it says about who these institutions are for and why sounds wonderful i love the political aspects that you're um, celebrating through the art colin now what is the strategy moving forward once all the excitement around the launch dies down um, does the gallery have the resources to continue to curate and host these groundbreaking sorts of exhibitions and to commission and acquire more local artwork? Is any of the state budget surplus going to trickle down to keep this boat afloat? <laughs> or, or do we need to find better models of private and corporate sponsorship in the visual arts? Look, I'm not. I'm, I, I never worry too much about um, uh, money in any sense because you have an amount of money and so you spend it in a particular way and then you have ambitions and if some ambitions don't work you just change direction and go a different way but to give ourselves the best chance i, I did some um extremely boring for 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 arts listeners but 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 really quite important so the the the, the foundation um the Agua foundation for instance so we um at the end of the last financial year we had round about nine million in in cash sat in there which is why i was able to do the stimulus package but that money was only gaining interest at 0.8 percent per year but i managed to convince uh, treasury corp to allow us to free that capital so that we could invest it ourselves in the markets so that simple change will give me a return of around about six percent on 40 million dollars that we'll be able to work that on our um, acquisitions on our programming on anything else to subsidize what we do and another great outcome of being being here was the connecting the brand message to the commercial message to the cultural message to the creative output means that we will um, auto, we can automatically appeal across multiple markets to multiple people mm. which is not just based in the visual arts so it's really important that we have a really strong music program performing arts program and those types of things and really make use of the full scope of the, the building as we mm. go through 
Um, with the artists, we'll, we'll do much more work on producing our own um, merchandising with them. So artist collaborations so that we are creating something that's different. You can't get anywhere else. We'll drive a different type of retail that the artists can benefit from as well. So all these things are extremely boring at one level because they are just about how do you take... Um, the potential of a range of assets and monetize them in ways um, that, that, that help your sustainability. So it's not as if I'm starting from uh, nothing, but, but I'm starting from a real point of potential. So my experience is so different from the rest of the visual arts sector. And it's not being, look, I've been closed for nine months. And so nine months is me and I've had no literally no income for the gallery from venue hire, commercial, retail or, or anything. So taking a hit. But if I project when we reopen long term, what tours will do, I, I think we'll be um, absolutely fine. But for the rest of the visual arts sector and for individual artists, it's a completely different story. COVID has decimated the sector from top to bottom. And so the government came in and put some um, really good incentive programs in. There was a big announcement um, at the end of the last term, last term of governments that are really good, big set piece activities that are that, that are happening, yeah. which will start to feed um, into uh, greater demand, greater visitation, uh, greater appeal to tourism, and so on and so forth. But that experience of the individual visual artist trying to make a connection when we have so few commercial galleries, we've lost we've lost that um, layer of commercial galleries. We don't have a strong base of mid-scale galleries. So I think we've got to take the responsibility to um, fill some of that gap until the sector can get itself um, back to a position again. that it's yeah. been before. And I feel a real sense of responsibility to, to, to be able to to help them um, to help them get there, which again, feeding back this idea that focusing on Western Australian arts and the talent base and going big on numbers when I could have gone all kinds of different ways. These are all linked because it because if that sector is not sustainable, then neither am I. And so we've got to position ourselves in that way, even if that's different from what other state institutions need to do. Colin, the gallery now has a new neighbour, the shiny new WA Museum, Boulevard. What impact will the museum have on Agua? Yeah, well, I think the, psychologically the museum is really important just for the success of the museum is really important. I think to just give the big investment decisions um, that um, will, I'm sure, be made over the next while, the, the, the security for government that you can invest in in cultural institutions, in culture generally, and the dividends will be massive. So it is such a lot of pressure on the museum to work because if it works, if I work up here, then it just gives that degree of confidence that um, if you invest, um, whether that's privately government, wherever it may be, then there will be something that, that, that kicks in. So. There isn't anything apart from good news about that museum. We will complement it. Mm. Um, we know through the city deal that there'll be investment coming through for the redevelopment of the cultural centre itself as well. And we know that there's a, been a master planning exercise in progress, mm. which will um, 
make the use of um, just what a unique space this is in cultural space this is in Australia because it's not just the co-location of these great institutions Pika is fabulous Blue Room is fabulous they've got all kinds of potential it's just the buildings that they're in like me a little bit um shaky heritage buildings they 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 do take a, a lot of uh investment and um before you see the the, the the public outcome but to co-locate those next to the main transport hub the main transport hub that's only going to get more important when metronet kicks in and yeah. when the connection from the airport comes into the center as well we will be the initial cultural experience of pretty much um, everyone who's going to travel um, into Perth in some shape or form. So if um, the new the new museum helps that first stage of look at what success has been and the people, the way that's been accepted so far has been phenomenal. I hope I don't now mess it up with 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 <laughs> what we do because it's you know it's not a given that these things uh, that these things necessarily work, but it's um, but it's pretty clear that um, uh, the success of the museum is is going to have the the long term dividends, and I'll I'll take anyone who wants to come for a day out, go for the museum for twenty minutes, then come and spend three hours with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, as part of the first city deal that you have mentioned, twenty million was allocated to the rejuvenation of this Perth Cultural Centre. Can you tell us what's going on in terms of the integra integrated plan for this area? Yeah, so the master plan and um, uh, exercise has been different types of uh, uh, consultation. There was some um, public consultation published um, a few weeks ago with uh, initial um, ideas of what could be done with um, with, the, uh, with the with the 20 million that, that's uh, available. I think the potential of the cultural center is that um, aside from those things I said before, is I think people's perceptions are clouded by just the the, the amounts of concrete as much as anything else you know our, our building was not meant to have sat in a purely concrete plain it was meant to have been surrounded by gardens greenery and that kind of thing but just over time what's developed is pretty much a concrete jungle yeah. um, and of course that concrete jungle has um, completely covered what is a quite glorious wetland that's underneath so i think so long as the um forward plans are cognizant of reintroducing um those wetlands and reintroducing um public spaces that, that are just um softer and more accommodating and make you want to congregate instead of pass through and I think the feel of this place will change enormously and be more like what it's supposed to be, which is this connection to what is a gathering place um, in any case. Colin, you've come from a background as a bureaucrat into the directorship of the state's flagship gallery. Along the way, and, and I'm hearing that you've put those skills to good use, and along the way, you must have acquired a lot of knowledge about the visual arts sector in WA. So what is your understanding now of the value of visual arts to West Australians? Visual arts and the skills of visual artists impact pretty much every aspect of everyday life for people, whether they are um, uh, reading, reading, reading an ad, watching TV, engaging in media in any way, or 
going out and looking at a piece of um, visual art. The visual art or the techniques of visual art or the creativity behind artists and those who move across um, multiple medias, that the connection points um, are already there. And so the importance um, of art is already there. It's the interpretation of, of what that is and what that means. And I think some of the, um, if you like, cultural tropes around some of um, different art forms of which you could classify opera, ballet, the, the heritage arts. And I think you can classify um, some forms of contemporary art as they are understood by a large proportion of the population are seen as middle-class sports for middle-class people mm-hmm. or they're seen as that's just not for me, that's just not me. And um, going back to um, why why we've done things the way we've done, foregrounding the artists and where they're from, our artists reflect the community far better than the perception of how our artists reflect the community is understood by the by the general public so i think there's definitely a story to tell of how um artists are just like you know just like you and me um uh, actually in 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 every sense and that what we need to do is as institutions what i'm really really conscious of is that i've got to kill those um unconscious um cultural barriers that stop mm. aboriginal people coming into the gallery that stop working class people coming into the gallery in numbers that stop people from diverse um backgrounds coming into the, the gallery in large in large numbers because in other cities in other contexts the visual arts are seen as a fundamental part of and i'm certainly from liverpool where i'm from we we have um um, more visual art uh, galleries per head of population than than anywhere in the UK. At least we did um, back in the capital of culture day. So um, if it's not that now, it is certainly it's certainly very close because it's much more ingrained in the culture of the place. Mm. And for me, when I look at the percentage of people that participate in arts in comparison with other things. Participation is a thing. Um, people definitely do that. How that then though translates to the type of things that they go to and whether we accept or disengage people in that process, that's a different beast altogether. So I think our job is to humanize um, a little about um, what it is. And you don't have to dumb quality down. You don't have to change it. You've just got to change the way in which uh, the message of this is all of us is um is understood Mm. now you're probably not meant to have favorites but is there a particular west australian artist that you're quietly a big fan of uh no look i'm a man of peace um so (laughs) i can't (laughs) i can't do and i spend (laughs) i spend years as you as you say i'm still a bureaucrat by the way i'm still employed you know in by governments um it's the (laughs) no as soon as i say one then add the then what will happen is if, if that artist ever turns up oh, well you had a favorite you had this you had that so no i i i prefer to love everybody equally and i'll keep to myself those things to actually i do treasure yeah. it a wee bit more that's, that's very <laughs> diplomatic answer very diplomatic sorry about answer. that <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Colin, for talking us through everything that's going on here at the Art Gallery of Western Australia and all best for the launch on the 6th of November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be um, it'll be a bit of fun. And then, yeah, a few other uh, announcements on our international work is going to come um, after that. I would like to thank Colin Walker, Director of the Art Gallery of Western Australia, for joining me to record this podcast. For more information about the arts in Western Australia, head to seesawmag.com.au and if you like what you're listening to, buy us a coffee while you're there. This podcast was produced by Rosalind Appleby with theme music by Josh Hogan and Ned Beckley of Envelope Audio. We acknowledge the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay our respects to their elders past and present.